0: Spectrum is brought to you by the Scripps College of Communication at Ohio University. The Scripps College offers the foundation for individuals seeking to blend creativity and practice so that graduates have the freedom to direct their skills and move the world forward. Its faculty takes a multidisciplinary approach to academic, professional, and social growth so that graduates have relentless optimism to navigate the changing environment. Learn more at ohio.edu slash Scripps College. Welcome to Spectrum. Spectrum features conversations with fascinating people Some are famous and some aren't, but the common thread is that they all have captivating stories. Today we're talking with Dr. Ken Johnson, the Executive Dean of the Heritage College of Osteopathic Medicine and Chief Medical Officer at Ohio University. Dr. Johnson also serves as Chair of the Ohio Council of Medical School Deeds. Today in his visit, Dr. Johnson helps us understand some of the criteria that colleges and universities are using to determine whether to have students back on campus in the fall of 2020. Dr. Johnson, I know that you are the chief medical officer at Ohio, medical affairs officer at Ohio University. And you and others are trying to figure out what's going to go on with universities in the fall. This is not unique to Ohio University. It's across the nation. This has got to be a troublesome type of situation for you.
1: Yeah, Tom. You know, we are learning more and more every day about this disease and then in turn how to how to adjust and think about uh, moving forward with with that. Our experience in the United States is really very different than what we saw around the world. But I think one of the good things is I think we're getting some really good or at least better data to help us uh, understand and then maybe make some some better decisions.
0: Some universities, uh, especially some of the uh, East Coast universities, Uh, Harvard and others have said, well, we're going to have people back on campus. Uh, It's going to be a face-to-face kind of thing. Purdue is another one that's done that. Some schools in California and others have said, no, we're not having people back in the fall. And then there's that great majority in the middle that says, we don't know yet. So what are some of the things and factors that universities will be looking at in making these decisions.
1: Yeah that's such a great question Tom and, and I, I think the, the conversation starts with how did we um, take the universities from where they were to where they are now So the, the you know the analogy that I, I like to use is the you know we had a, an, an ocean liner or a ship that we unloaded. Um, and now that most universities are unloaded, we can be planful, thoughtful, and strategic around how you reload the ship on uh, who gets on, when they get on, where they get on, <laughs> uh, right. e- e- et cetera with that. So, so as we've been learning more about the disease, I think what a lot of universities are gonna be doing is uh, maybe even putting together uh, the criteria uh, for reopening and the things that should be, need to be, could be uh, in place. Uh, to help with that, and it's really a very complex um, set of decisions. It's not it's not one decision. And let me let me take two different realms uh, to to start off with. So universities are about educating students, and they're about discovering new knowledge. And in the new knowledge space, and in research, as an example, you know. Um, running a medical school, I have researchers who are currently doing research on infectious disease. Tho- those folks are actually more prepared to restart their labs and to restart activity, because they have to follow protection and uh, in, in, in guidelines to protect themselves and others every day uh, versus, versus some others. So inside of that space, I think we might see a, you know, kind of differential reloading of the ship, depending on the type of research that uh, that people are doing and, and what needs to be in place to, to do that. On, on the education side, there are a couple different spaces to uh, consider. So from the purely, like, how do we educate people? There's large groups in, inside of a big auditorium, there's small group spaces, and then there are various different types of, of lab activities. And I think in general, for all of it, we will be looking at the ability to test and understand who, and who does not have disease as, as we're coming back on at this. And I think colleges and universities are going to be looking more to the what are the criteria and the things we would have to have in place and what are the things we haven't been doing that we might need to do as we as we move forward. So a spin a spin on that is all students that come to college have to have certain kinds of immunizations. Well, will we be asking if we have testing available for anybody tests before students come to college as an example.
0: What happens with professional schools like medical schools? Uh, law schools veterinary schools dental schools just run the gamut but I know you're the head of the Ohio Council of Medical School Deans this has got to be something in the for- forefront of your concern how how do you teach young medical students first year and on up
1: yeah so um I, in the in the first and second year of of uh, curriculum is really the preclinical years and um, there are activities that um, are, are difficult to do on um, social distancing as an example, hands-on on uh, activities, lab activities that all would need to be to be modified uh, to, to, to do it in a uh, in, in a safe uh, and uh, risk acceptable uh, way uh, to do that. But for I think on the plus side is for health professionals, For us to educate them, we're training them in what they're going to be doing, um, anyways. So, I think there is a little bit of a silver lining to that, um, to that cloud. Um, And then the the other part is in the clinical realm, uh, and students have early clinical experiences, and they have experiences on rotations. Um, And just like colleges and universities are going to be thinking through what are the criteria that would allow us to return students to campus we're thinking through what are the criteria that allow us to have students in the clinical setting uh, as well and it, it goes beyond just having you know what everybody's hearing about PPE so there's a, enough masks and gowns and gloves it's things like the students are safe gowning and ungowning uh, that their teachers are watching them and and, and teaching them uh, appropriately and they're and then they're also involved on, uh, you know, kind of in the appropriate care of, of patients um, in, in a, in a, in a different way than what we've, what we've seen before. And I'll, I'll give you one specific example as we're doing testing now. And um, there was some testing done in, uh, in New York city, where they tested every pregnant patient that came in um, and a large percentage of them had COVID without any symptoms. Um, so, we're almost in a point where, at least for the time being, in the clinical setting, we have to suspect that uh, anybody can be a carrier until proven otherwise.
0: So let's let's take that and let's really break this down for our, our, our audience. One of the things about a university, especially a residential university like Ohio University and others, is that... Students come, they live in in residence halls for a while in close proximity to each other, or they live in off-campus housing still in close proximity to each other. They come here from not only all over the country, but they come from all over the world. Uh, that, to me, as a layperson, sounds like a Petri dish for – uh, disease.
1: Yeah, you know, so uh, every university has um, already policies and protocols in place around uh, infectious disease because because of that, because of the density of people uh, living together. Universities are, I mean, by their nature, built to bring people uh, together. And um, so, as you know, in, in the acute phase of, of managing this for, as an example, having students in dorms, uh, people are one, unloading the ship, but then two, for those who, uh, you know, needed to still be on campus having what I think of as like primary, secondary, and tertiary, or even third level planning around uh, how do we manage students in a, in a, in a dense situation? So uh, do we put them in on places where we can create some physical distancing in a dorm, do we create housing for if someone gets sick that they can then um, be even more isolated and then also in turn cared for uh, in a different way and in a in a in a different setting. Uh, and the I think one of the questions universities will be thinking through is in the very controlled environments, how do you manage that? So as 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 an example in a uh, in a lecture hall, do you um, have uh, assigned seating every so many seats apart from each other so that you have the appropriate um, physical distancing? Um, and in a setting where you're bringing people together, like a dorm, um, how, do you, how do you manage that? And, and then the, the worst case scenario is when someone gets sick, how do you then capture all the people that they have come into, into contact with?
0: Also, uh, a question of people coming back to campus, wherever the community, and and congregating, you're bringing in uh, perhaps viruses from all of the areas that those people come from into a community that may not be virus-free, but may have Low density of of the virus. Isn't there also a a social impact to communities beyond the campus?
1: Yeah, definitely, and that's I mean really kind of all over America where you have uh, people migrating uh, migrating in from if they're mm-hmm. if it's a state based school migrating from various parts of the state or world as they're as they're coming there. I mean, we really, see, I, I think almost every college and university experiences that to some you know, to some degree or some level. And that's where I think colleges are going to, and and we'll be looking for guidance on this and some guidance that's already out there around on how do we ensure as we're bringing people back to campus that to a campus that on a, they uh, don't have a disease on B, if we think they develop it, how do we ensure that we recognize it immediately how do we then isolate them and then track the people that they've come into into contact with and in in some ways it almost seems like universities will have to be thinking through what systems do they put in place that maybe didn't exist before that allow that to occur
0: well l- let me break this down e- even further so to give people a hypothetical example you have two students uh, living in a room together let's say they could both be tested as before they came on campus uh, or as they're on campus is whether they have the COVID, not whether they have the antibodies. Let's just do the the COVID testing. What that says, does it not, is do they have COVID virus that day?
1: Exactly. At that time.
0: And so let's say a couple weeks into the semester, Uh, one of the roommates goes home and mingles with family and friends in in their home community and brings the virus back to to campus. Is that also not a concern? They both were tested to get on campus, but
1: you can't continually test these students, can you? Well, actually... Um, I think, in some ways, if we relate that to any other disease, so let let's let's take flu, because okay. what you what you just described would be a very typical kind of flu flu season kind of experience. On someone, they go home for a long weekend, they're around some other folks that they're sick, they come back. Right. Now, p- part of, part of the problem that we have here is that um, just because of the unpredictable nature of this virus and Uh, And then in the sense of some people getting really sick that you wouldn't expect, uh, that's where the level of concern comes up. But what we need to have in place is the ability to test someone rapidly, just like the flu. So you go in, you get a swab, poof, you're done, very quick testing. And I believe um, we are seeing that right now and that that testing will be much more rapidly and readily uh, available to be able to test someone in 15 minutes and and have and, and with very little equipment uh, and have the, uh, the the result of that now you also have to be prepared for the other things that that come from that because the student coming back to campus who now is sick they didn't know they were sick coming back then you nuts now need to think about well who are all the people that they've come into contact with and just like we saw as disease was starting to spread around the, the country the need to Figure out who they've come into contact with. Have those people isolate and or um, self-isolate and monitor for for symptoms. So it, it creates a pretty high level of complexity, on um, in in a you know kind of thriving campus situation. All right. So if
0: somebody, let's let's switch uh, our hypothetical here with our our two students. Uh, Talk about the antibody test and what good would that do? When would that be applied? Would it be applied before somebody came on campus? Uh, how, how good are those tests? Uh, it, you hear in the news a lot of false negatives. They aren't very sophisticated at this point. Where do we stand with those and how do those fit our scenario?
1: Yeah, that's a, that's a great question. And there's, there's some answers that we still need to get that will help us with, with this. So um, one of those is, um, there There are about 70 different tests on the market right now that are being developed and tried. And there's probably more than that, but there's 70 that, when I was, I was reading this uh, yesterday. Um, we're looking at what are those tests that would be, you know, kind of like FDA approved and uh, have a high reliability in the sense of, Uh, knowing that similar to flu, that most of the cases you will catch by uh, doing the test. In this case, the antibodies, uh, knowing that it's an accurate um, test um, and it's giving you a clear picture. Now, the one thing that we are not 100% clear on yet is with the antibody test, um, does it give you immunity and to what level of immunity is that uh, is that giving us but we're heading in that direction and I do think what we'll see is testing emerging that is better so knowing who does and doesn't have um, antibodies floating around and a better level of understanding of what that means around their potential to get or not get uh, disease And when we see a large number of people with uh, antibodies then that's you know the crude, It's not so crude. It's just the way we talk about it. It's herd immunity at that point when there's large numbers of people that have been exposed to the virus. They have antibodies floating around. And um, we're hopeful that the likelihood is low that they would then get further disease because they already have antibodies uh, floating around that will will help kill the disease. um, if they were to come in contact, with and that, those
0: you know. those tests, you think will be just as available, if not more available than the detection of COVID nineteen tests.
1: No, I, yeah, I'm not 100 sure uh, about that. I do I, I do think both. We 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 as a society need both of those tests, um, and there's a big push um, for um, for 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 both of them to be uh, done, available, reliable. And readily uh, uh, available. I don't. I don't have. I don't have a good, clear sense of. uh, If I put both of them next to each other, how how many of both and the liability of both? I think it's just a little too early right now.
0: We'll be back after this message. Spectrum's brought to you by the Scripps College of Communication at Ohio University. The Scripps College is one of the most comprehensive colleges of communication in the country. It offers a foundation of creativity and practice so that graduates can move the world forward. In particular, the Scripps College offers challenging coursework that holds students to high expectations an integrated curriculum that combines a variety of disciplines and ideas, and student-driven media organizations where students can apply these skills and gain experience that enables them to hit the ground running upon graduation. That's the Scripps College of Communication at Ohio University. Let me ask you a really stupid layperson question. If somebody uh, has the antibody, if they test that they have had COVID and perhaps are immune, depending on what the data will say as a result of that test, does that mean they also cannot spread the virus? They cannot have the virus, which may not make them sick, but they could make others sick. How does that work?
1: Yeah, so theoretically, if you've if you've mounted the antibody response, your body has already responded, and you know, kind of t- depending on the phase of exactly where you're we're at, and in all of this, but that you've already mounted the response, um, you have no more, um, you know, more no more virus uh, in your in your in your system. As people are getting better from those that exhibit symptoms, as they're getting better, they'll uh, give off less and less virus each day as they're as they're getting better so that a uh, you know a week or so after on uh, having been um you know getting over the virus you should see very little uh, you know if you're testing with very sophisticated tests on uh, virus uh, coming out of their coming out of their system on uh, at that at that point. That's what we understand right now
0: again, a student who's out there thinking, will I go back to campus? Or somebody, a new student, who's thinking, will I even go on campus? Uh, A lot of universities uh, have been talking about different systems, uh, some uh, totally remote learning, as we've talked about, some total face-to-face, but there's a great group in the middle talking about perhaps early in the fall, doing online and maybe splitting the semester, doing remote, the first part of the semester with the idea of coming back to campus, the second part of the semester, there are many variations out there. What are some of the thought processes behind those from an administrative point of view?
1: Well, I... I uh, I think some of it comes down to the local, you know, the local situation um, that you have. And even if you look at Ohio, let's look at the state of Ohio, which I'm most familiar with right now. Okay. Okay. Northeast, central and southwest Ohio at this moment have a very, very different disease load than southeast Ohio at the moment. Um, And um, so I think some of what you're seeing, if you look across the United States broadly is... How is disease manifesting itself in the community and where are they at on overall in their curves and when you're seeing things peak and when you're expecting things to, to, to quiet down a little bit? So I think what the all these various different strategies are really driven on what people on um, the information they're getting around, what what people are thinking about disease and it manifesting in the community, and where where we expect uh, disease to be. And uh, in, in Ohio, as an example, on the models right now on June first have about 60 or 70 new cases per day at that point, where we've really come down the other side of that uh, of that of that peak. So I think from an administrative side, the the, the various different scenarios. I think a part of being driven by on um, how are we seeing disease in the community? And for one, it might be, Hey, we'll delay the start of the semester to this date And um, for another. It might be, we have the capacity to do online first and then bring people um, onto campus. I, I would say with a lot of the scenarios on um, all of us will have to have, you know, some level of flexibility um, with, with, with that kind of, planning on so the 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 group that's planning part online and then part on uh, residential if for some reason uh, you know the disease stays around longer than what people think they might have to uh, do something different if if for some reason disease burns out really quickly it just drops off like a rock I think people will think differently about on you know the start of a semester and how they how they bring people onto onto campus
0: college life is not just books and learning as we all remember. It's going to athletic events and it's going to to parties and social gatherings and so forth. Even if people are back on campus, do you see major athletic events or do you see that in a different way than you do on-campus learning?
1: No, I think there's some similar some similar pieces to that, and 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 what I've been telling people as we're thinking about this is if we if we think about how we unloaded the ship, maybe the way it gets reloaded might look somewhat similar. So if you look at what happened with say professional sports, um, at one point you saw sporting events occurring without anybody in the stands uh, to allow those to uh, to occur. Uh, and so if you if you back it up, there may be other strategies that are put into place that allow uh, competition to occur in a, uh, in a safe way, safe for the players, safe for the community. And that you might, you might see that staged on as, as well on, and it's from the, you know, kind of the close contact with lots of people on that are, are the places where you see, would you see disease, you know, just spread really quickly. There's been a lot in the popular literature or, you know, on Facebook and others of the, you know, what happened in Philadelphia and the uh, the, the 1918 flu, they, they had a parade and uh, to raise people's spirits from World War One, And you know, <laughs> four, four, four days later, all the hospitals are full and they're overwhelmed with, uh, you know, with um, people that had the, had had the flu, so I think the, the again this is where what what I think is good is that I, athletics is another one of those buckets. If you think about uh, a university, so you have uh, the research activities, the teaching activities, the housing and student life activities, and athletics is kind of another bucket to uh, to think through. I think we have the advantage of thinking through how you would. Again, reload the the ship, and there may be some staggering to that. Just like uh, maybe some are thinking about a different starting time to the uh, academic year. Maybe there's some, you know, a different start to the uh, 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 athletic year. Maybe there's a different way to, uh, you know, phase that uh, back in. And I, I, you know, I think folks will go through the same. Like, what are the what's the criteria for? safe athletics uh, and, uh, and, and use the best evidence that we have right now to help us guide some of those decisions.
0: We've been talking primarily from a medical and scientific standpoint. I, I see college and university presidents almost as many MINI governors in, in the sense that they're juggling Uh, the need for separation and safety with the need for uh, economic viability. Colleges and universities across the country are hurting financially as a result of what has gone on already. And there may be more to come. Not only are the colleges and universities, but the communities in which they're located. They're almost always a major employment source right. uh, for for the community. There is an economic factor in all of this, is there not?
1: Oh, there definitely is, and is there's like there's a dynamic tension around around all of that on the, uh, the, the economic piece, the safety piece, the risk and risk mitigation, uh, and um, it's uh, it's very complex uh, as you're as you're looking at all of those on uh, all those various different factors. I think. You know, the good the good news on that level of complexity is that, uh, and I guess it's the bad news too. And most of the United States is experiencing this, and we have a lot to uh, to draw from on uh, and, and people's people's best thinking. And and another silver lining for my part in this is that we have people working together uh, in ways that they never have, all with the same uh, purpose of trying to solve these these problems that are in front of us. And I've talked to everybody from small business owners to on uh, healthcare delivery to, uh, manufacturers and, uh, you know, folks who are putting test kits together, uh, and et cetera. And the, the, the level and the problems that are being, the level of problems that are being solved right now are unlike any, uh, that we've, that we've seen in the speed of, of solving the problems. Um, and that, I think the positive side of that is, is people coming together to, to, to solve those problems.
0: We've also read uh, some universities, and I mentioned earlier in our conversation, are, are waiting till June or late June uh, to make a decision about the fall do I assume that they're waiting so that they can see what the data is? This is a fast evolving situation that we hear something new almost every day. Is it just buying time? Is that the idea?
1: Well, yeah, I think I think that there's a you know when you go back to your economic um, uh, question and then and taking all factors into into consideration, there's on. Um, I, you know, I guess the other one is psychologically. There's a psychological factor to this, and and for some folks, on um, you know, particularly maybe students and parents, it's helpful for them to just know, okay, this is yeah. you know, this is the plan, and this is what we're doing. And I think where you saw some folks come out of the gate early on that it's in part attending to here's our plan, and 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 this is what and this is what we're doing, and um, I think that there's a um, kind of sweet spot around when that decision-making uh, needs to occur uh, and all the best information that's that's out there. And things, you're right, change so much. And I know this is kind of a different analogy, but the when, when there was the ability to reuse N95 masks, which before there wasn't, dire need for these, and then the ability to process 80,000 of those a day to um, then put back into the, that was a game changer. And there are a number of other game changers that are, have been occurring through all of this the ability for rapid testing, which we'll see more the ability for antibody testing, as we'll see the heavy push towards trying to develop a, a, a vaccine, the watching how disease uh, is or is not spreading through the community. So many you know, it's just so many factors um, with, with that and waiting that appropriate level of time to understand, you know, are there going to be any other game changers? Uh, uh, is the environment going to be clearer on um, laying out these factors and understanding them? Um, I, I think that's the better part of valor um, with all of this is, is really ch- seeking that best information and, um, you know, being thoughtful.
0: Well, let me ask you a, a specific in that regard. Uh, we're seeing states, many states, opening up some more abruptly than others, but gradually over uh, the month of May, for example. Uh, and people who are fearful of that are looking for a possible resurgence of the virus, but uh, How soon could we see that if it happens? And what would we look for to determine whether that's going to happen?
1: Yeah, I think that, well, you you know, people have been pretty sensitized to all this. And and in the way uh, there was kind of a layering of closing down, there's a similar layering of of opening up. And what, what public health is going to be looking for is they're going to be looking for pockets of explosion of disease. I mean, just rapid, you know, we went from uh, seeing a few new cases to now all of a sudden there's like 20, 30, 100 new cases um, as, as a result on um, of the, you know, the quote unquote uh, opening up of things. But I think with a, you know, kind of this staged um, reopening um, of of things, It's it's a it's a way for us to manage that so you don't see that resurgence where everything's just back to back to normal. So I think public health is going to be watching that really, really very rapidly. And that the you know the need for for flexibility and patience in, in inside of that on um, you know things aren't perfect and um, if if you saw a, a blip of, of disease as things started to open up again, I think there'd be probably some questions about what's the best management of that. Do you back off a little bit now, slow some things down a little bit, stagger it out a little bit more? And, and I think I think people are going to be very, very watchful through that period of time.
0: One last area, and I'm thankful for your time, but if We hear in the news from various experts, uh, Dr. Anthony Fauci, one and and others, saying that the virus hasn't disappeared, it's still here. Uh, We will most likely see a resurgence in the fall and in the winter, uh, even if it abates some during the summer months. How much is that a consideration when we're looking at colleges and universities, and again, these large communal gatherings of people?
1: Yeah, I think that's definitely on the back of of many people's minds. And early in all of this, there was some modeling done looking at um, you know, would we see a resurgence in the in, in the fall? Would we see a resurgence in in the in the winter? Uh, here and I, I, I think one of the one of the saving graces is that we've learned a lot. We've learned a lot about mitigation. We've learned a lot about um, testing uh, and uh, the, you know now the availability of that. Um, and I, I think as an industry, our our ability to pivot is um, unlike it ever has been uh, before. And um, so I know that people will be uh, very watchful and very cautious uh, as as we proceed into the, uh, the fall and the, and, and the winter months. And uh, I, I think there'll be some information that, that, that helps guide us a little bit a little bit better with that.
0: I must admit, this is the fastest I've ever seen colleges and universities pivot in my
1: life. Oh, I agree. I agree. Well, it, They're it, normally it, glacial, but yeah. this has been pretty quick. Oh, yeah. in the medical industry, too. You know, I know many places have put out that they had a two-year plan to implement telemedicine, and they did it in two weeks. So, um, similar for higher ed, almost overnight, going from a residential, local, you know, kind of experience for many to uh, online, uh, ne- never saw it faster.
0: Dr. Johnson, as always, thank you. It It really helps to hear your voice and have you break this down for us. And hopefully... We'll get back to you maybe uh, early June or late May and, and see where we stand in all of this again.
1: Well, I'm happy to be here and would look forward to some more conversation.
0: Today, we've been talking with Dr. Kenneth Johnson, the Executive Dean of the Heritage College of Osteopathic Medicine. We've been talking about the possibility of opening campuses this fall, given the coronavirus pandemic. Spectrum is produced by W.O.U.B. Public Media. Adam Rich is our co-producer. I'm your host, Tom Hodson. Please subscribe to Spectrum. You can do that at Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, or at NPR One. Spectrum also is available to you through the NPR Podcast Directory. We always welcome your feedback, so please rate our podcast or review it through one of your podcast outlets. If you have any questions or comments about our podcast or have suggested topics for us to cover, please direct them to me by email. You can do that at hodson, hodson at That's Hodson, H O D S O N, at ohio.edu.